Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Hello, we're Dirt Radio. I'm Ali and I'm here today with Maddox Gifford. Um, and we're going to be talking um, a little bit later on in the segment. But before we do, I'd just like to acknowledge that we're here on Wurundjeri land um, and acknowledging that we cannot have climate justice without justice for First Nations people. Um, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land and this land has been stolen across wherever you're listening in from today thank you for being with us thanks ali um for doing that while i was rushing to get kim on we have kim croxford on the line as well at the minute and kim is going to talk to us about relationship anarchy kim are you there yeah hey jack thanks for having me yeah all good how are you doing kim i'm doing well good good um so i think that what I have down for is to maybe a bit of a discussion into um, relationship anarchy, what it is, and uh, the work you've been doing with it. Yeah, so as everyone knows, today's Valentine's Day, and I'm sure many listeners are sort of familiar with the critique that it's a bunch of consumerist, um, you know, a celebration of, of consumerism and things like that. But another thing to think about, I guess, on, on a day like this is... Um, how it also prescribes like the dominance of a certain type of relationship um, and how that might not work for many people or, you know, people might feel a bit crap if they don't have that type of relationship in their life. And um, sometimes that can lead us to make choices that don't actually suit us and default or um, to, to different ways of living that might not work for others. Um, I'm actually quite romantic, so I'm not, I'm not completely... Um, discarding the idea that you'd celebrate your love with someone or give that person something. Um, but it's more about disrupting like the dominant um, compulsory nature of that kind of relationship because um, I am also a queer, feminist, anti-capitalist romantic. So I guess what I wanted to chat about is how there are many different ways to have relationship and many different ways to have love and connection in your life. And relationship anarchy... I'm sure many people listening practice it differently to me, but um, it's been really wonderful for me in terms of the possibilities it opens up. So um, relationship anarchy is just the idea that as long as two people consent to a certain type of relationship um, and, yeah, enthusiastically decide to do life together, whatever that looks like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic sexual relationship or, you know, a heteronormative relationship. It can be whatever the two of you decide you'd like it to be or two or more of you. Um, I'm also polyamorous. I believe in an abundance of love and sex as well. Um, so, yeah. 
but I, I also think that you can have platonic commitments um, that are just as meaningful. And I think that's sort of the foundation of what relationship anarchy is, is that you can have a commitment to your best friend or um, you could co-parent with your platonic love or any of these sort of expansive definitions of what it means to care for each other and commit to each other and, and build a community around you. Yeah, and I mean, just the words care and commit and the fact that, that those things are like such a broad spectrum and we've always tried to, we frame things, I know you're talking about Valentine's Day, but just we end up being very one-track mind and it's almost as if we love templates and traditionally there's like patriarchal templates of, oh, it has to be this type of thing or else it's not valid. And, you know, I, I think that what you're doing is really great. And I've got here the um, the smorgasbord, the anarchy smorgasbord here, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm yeah. just actually looking at it right now. Can you go through that a little bit? Yeah. So it's actually, I have no idea how I came across this. I, I think if you just Google relationship anarchy smorgasbord, it'll pop up. But it's been a really wonderful tool for me as I've navigated this. Um, so it says on this little template, to form your relationship. You and another can pick any number of items from any number of platters. Take a huge helping or just a small scoop. The dish the two of you hold is your relationship. Remember, you must agree together on what is in it. No sneaking items in without the other knowing, or there will likely be conflict or disappointment later. Also, it's your dish, so if you guys decide to change what you want from the smorgasbord later, that's cool. And then there's all these different boxes of different ways to um, collaborate or be in partnership, so... There's romantic, um, there's friendship, domestic, so um, sharing a home. I know me and two platonic loves at the moment are um, designing what building a home might look like together and we're not in romantic partnerships. Um, there's obviously sexual partnership, physical touch is separate from that, whether you just want sort of affection and cuddles with someone and you don't have to draw that really, you know, firm line um, Around, uh, you can you can draw boundaries around that. Um, mm. Life partner, sharing goals, long or lifetime, and embracing change in each other. Caregiver, co-caregivers to children or animals. Emotional intimacy, emotional support. Social social, uh, social partners, so like you know, go out to events and um, you know, be uh, publicly partners. Yeah. Financial kink collaborative partners like art organization um, and there's business partners as well so all these different ways and I think when you think about um, sort of the dominant culture saying that you need to be in one um, overwhelmingly perfect romantic relationship where all of those things happen at once um, you know people can end up abandoning themselves or making um, choices that they're not really prepared for to try and meet that goal and be that one person um yeah for someone else yeah and i, I suppose as well like just looking through it and I'm, you're talking about the, the what you're told and and how that shapes the way people view relationships but i reckon that there probably be a lot of people that maybe aren't even aware that these things are things that they can have in a relationship and maybe um i don't know if it's like because you're not exploring it if there's no visibility of these things then mm. it's often not even forefront in your mind. And then almost because it's not a dominant theme in the society, it almost becomes a taboo, um, be, you know, because people always feel anxious about subtle pressures in the way that people perceive things and what is quote unquote normal. And 
yeah, I just think it's a really great way of looking at the relationships. And I reckon that I'll probably um, bring it up with my partner as well because I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it. If we don't have um, the language for things or the permission to pursue them, um, often often we um, are limiting ourselves. And it it is, um, you know, it's it's like anything else. All relationships are confident, uh, complicated. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah. laughs> um, you know, it's not like a silver bullet to happiness or anything. It's but it's it's like anything else. If you have trust and communication and consent, um, it can really work, and it can be really an exciting, rich way to in relationships so yeah just wanted to chat about that today so on valentine's day if people are feeling like they don't have a specific kind of love and connection in their life you know there's all this rich abundance of ways to um connect with one another that they could be exploring absolutely thanks very much for coming on kim i really appreciate that one thanks so much for the chat jack cheers Did you? I want to drop smooth, not bombs. Hop trains, bottles, giving every info shop. I want to give free therapy out in the park. Go to preschool, jumps, chiropractors, rocks, drop food, not bombs. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a food, not bombs fly on the road. And I had like this fist with a carrot. And carrots are my favorite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff. And I got in touch. We... I guess rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR with Jack, Sam, Maddox and Ali, a full house. Hello, Sam. Um, hey, Jack. Yeah, Sam is, I've just quieted her in and she's not in front of her microphone. Hello. Poor form. Um, so now we're going to move on to the discussion between Maddox Gifford, a sociology, queer history student and activist, and Ali, campaigner at Friends of the Earth. And they're going to be uh, touching on Midsummer. Um, and I'll let them do a lot of the discussion, but I just want to kick off, like, what is Midsummer? Can you tell the listeners what it's about? And, uh, yeah, carry on. Yeah, I'll throw it to you, Maddox. Um, yeah, I'm actually not a Melbourne native, but I was quite excited when I moved here and, and heard about Midsummer. It seems like a really great event, just queer culture everywhere. Um, and it wasn't until recently that I actually found out that it was quite commercialised. It was quite corporatised already. Um, I feel like I've missed out a bit. Um, I think it's essentially like Sydney Pride. Um, it has, uh, I've been told it has more middle class roots than um Mardi Gras uh, does, which was a riot. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's very much an arts and culture festival. Um, it runs a lot of queer queer events um, for all of the community, or it's meant to. Um, but more and more recently, there's been a lot of uh, companies involved, a lot of um, very very much corporatization and an and inability for the more working class and, and the more marginalized people to be involved, which I found quite disappointing to learn about. 
Yeah, I really share your disappointment there. Um, having also recently moved to the city, um, being very excited that such a big queer um, festival was coming up um, to then realise um, such close ties existed with um, the likes of companies of um, Serco who are responsible for violence towards refugees um, and also are um, employed in prisons across the world. Um, yeah, along with everything else in terms of like the corporatization and the disgust of um, BP or um, who else was at this Pride Oh, March? I can Gosh. give you a list. I, I, I read through, yeah, obviously um, Vic Paul, uh, the police were involved in uniform, marching in uniform, which is disgusting enough as it is. But I read through the entire marching order um, and it was frankly quite ridiculous um labor and liberals the latter of which aren't even that much worse than the former but obviously yeah quite disappointing um nab um and okay this this one i found quite amusing the salvation army um Ooh. who yeah clearly have a great a great track record we're gonna share a mic uh i yeah i, I found that uh quite ridiculous salvation army uh right at the end greyhound racing victoria um i'm really not sure i i see why they put them right at the end a lot of queers adopt uh rescued greyhounds i just it's it's frankly i i i, I can't fathom it but the ones that really piss me off um to be frank uh, Amazon, who marched under the name Glamazon. Um, yeah. I, I really don't know uh, if they thought that that pinkwashing would just make us all forget about the labour violations and all the exploitation and the horrific. Um, and this one takes the cake, I think. BP, um, because apparently queers love coal. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I cannot fathom it. I... I just I, I can't understand why these companies would think that they can buy their way in to this parade and and have this this large community this diverse community celebrate them. I don't understand why it seems to be working. Why people seem to put up with it. Um, but there it is. Yeah, it's it's like on top of the pinkwashing and the corporatization. I also was there um, in solidarity with the activists who um, were disrupting the parade, watching these contingents go by, thinking, not only do I have absolutely no pride um, <laughs> or connection to these queers right now, but also, this is so damn boring. Mm, like, yeah. wow. Anyway, shall we segue into what did happen um, over the last couple of weekends? Uh, yeah, by all means. Um, so I, I definitely didn't witness the entirety of the parade because, as you said, it uh, went on forever, a lot of it quite boring. There were some lovely, lo lovely floats, lovely um, uh, attendees, but, uh, yeah, by and large it went on for quite some time. But I think the most exciting part definitely for, for me to um, witness was the fact that there was – um, an actual disruption. And this is uh, not by any means the first time this has happened. I know that for, uh, I think, at least a decade uh, going on now, there have been um, always attempts to disrupt uh, this march, um, primarily around the fact that police are marching in uniform, but also around many other issues. Um, as you've said, the fact that Serco um, had a stall at the carnival this year and, and have had that affiliation for some time, uh, I recently learned. Oh, sorry, just to clarify, they had a stall last year. They're still in partnership with Midsummer. Still in just partnership, to, yeah. I yeah. don't know Not if you implicate saw ourselves. the disruption, I think it was last year, um, some wacker friends disrupted and they had a sign 
that was right in front of all the police marching in uniform that said, queers hate you. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) it's definitely part of an ongoing ongoing effort on the part of activists, very much grassroots, to to disrupt that. And even if they can't stop what's happening, even if they can't stop police from marching uh, in, in the parade, they can at least make it clear that there is pushback, that there is resistance against their presence and that the, the community has not in, an, in its entirety forgotten the history and that nobody who, who is part of that is going to just sit there and, and let it happen and let this pinkwashing continue and let, let, let this middle class... Um, just erasure of, of history and of and of present uh, atrocities. Yeah, no one's going to let that lie. Yeah, 100%. And actually also um, there was a campaign in Auckland against the cops' presence mm-hmm. in Pride and they did successfully boot them. I heard about that. Yeah, and the corporations follow it as well. And when I spoke about the march being boring, I was exactly talking about the presence of the corporations. Like, why yeah. do I want to just watch advertising walk down the street? Yeah, it's the fact that they can just buy their way in is ridiculous. So, yeah, obviously activists this year couldn't uh, disrupt every single one of those quite boring uh, floats and companies, but they did get in front of the police this year and march for uh, pretty much the entirety of the parade, holding uh, holding some some banners, some quite large and quite clear, I think, banners that make it yeah very obvious that uh, police do not belong at Pride. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about the message that the groups involved in the action um, were getting out there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think uh, it's my understanding that the main group organising the action is uh, CRIME, which I think stands for Climate Resistance, Climate Radical Youth Movement. Um, and so uh, they, they organised the action primarily, uh, the banners and everything, I think. that There was another group which was more uh, a bit of a, a collection of, in, of individuals who have been uh, for quite a long time, I think, uh, protesting against against police presence and pride. They had uh, drums and, and more signs. And I know that there were a lot of um, people of colour and a lot of um, r- refugees and, and people with that kind of really uh, intense lived experience with police and with Serco um, who, who were present. Uh, so it was quite a big contingent this, this year. I don't know if anyone saw photos, but it kind of looks uh, like it's its a, its its own little float, its own little segment of the parade. And there were even people uh, wondering... Uh, I, I heard uh, if it was an official, um, which uh, is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, definitely not condoned uh, by the by the organisers. Uh, but I don't think it's technically illegal. You know, I think the one of the big takeaways from this is um, I saw a lot of commentary online around. Oh well, you know, cops are gay too. <laughs> like we have lesbians. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and and I just want to say to all those people, just like if they want to take their uniforms off and march as individuals, go for it. Like de-identify yourself as part of a white supremacist institution that is there to protect property and the rich and identify yourself as an individual of queerness. That's, That's totally fine. The argument... For people making that argument that the police have a right or 
gay people in BP have a right <laughs> or whatever. It's like, yeah, cool, take your uniform off. We don't march wearing signs that say activist or whatever, you know, place we work at. So I just, yeah, that I just want to put that out there because I can hear people listening going, oh, but they have gay people too. Absolutely. Um, I, I think <laughs> Sorry, I we're playing microphone, microphone now. ping pong now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think, um, well, f- for one thing, I think that queer cops are traitors. Um, I, I don't think they're queer. I think maybe they're gay, maybe whatever Same. identity it's, they have. It's kind of like saying if you're a cop, you're a feminist. Yeah, it's, it just doesn't align. Like queerness, it, it is completely against that systemic oppression. Like it, mm. it, that's not that's not the point of it at all. And, and it frustrates me a lot, I, I guess, as someone who is very passionate about queer history, that we can just forget and sweep this under mm. the rug. Like you said, police marching in uniform. I mean, when when cops were there in uniform at Mardi Gras, at Stonewall, at at at, at the original prides, the the original um, the origin story, essentially they were the villains. Like they were the people mm. bashing the queers for having the right to exist in public and ha- for having the right to express joy. And I think that uh, what frustrates me is people now speaking, speaking about this, like what, don't we get one, one day to have a celebration? Don't we get to express this joy? And I, I think that's, really, I, there's no joy. There's, there's no joy present in that. There's no pride in that. There's mm-hmm. I, I'm, what's coming to mind is, is a slogan I've heard a lot at invasion day rallies at, at, at a variety of, um, of uh, actions is no pride in genocide. There's no pride in, in that system there's there's just no way to include them in uniform representing that institution that oppresses us and that has only ever existed to enforce the system that has been crushing us Hmm. yeah let's speak about solidarity hey um so i'm interested to hear how do you see the role of queers in pushing for liberation across the diversity of marginalized communities so uh, for one thing, what always um, bothers me and confuses me, I guess, is the way that some people view view these as, as separate issues, as though like queerness is its own exists in its own little bubble, and, and there's no interaction with any other identity or, or any other oppression. Um, like queers aren't all white working class; that they're, they're not they're not this separate community that has no ties to any other like surely surely the concept of inter- intersectionality has has at least come across e- even in a co-opted way even if you don't fully understand the concept i think most people are aware like that identities don't exist in a vacuum that there is crossover of these oppressions uh, i i am white i'm a settler i am working class i'm queer i there there are so many different identities that um, exist simultaneously and that interact with each other and those oppressions interact with each other as well the way that police treat uh, just a, a white, like very, very, very much cis passing or, or just a, a very particular kind of, of queer person is not going to be the same way that, that they treat a person of colour, a person who's very clearly gender non-conforming, a person who fits all sorts of different different identities, like a, a, a disabled person. There's, there's so much crossover in identity and people are going to experience that in so many different ways. So the fact that some people would say that, oh, well, some people have had bad experiences and, and that's on them, that's individual experiences. Maybe you have been the one to, to be lucky to not have had these bad experiences, but maybe reflect on why that might be and why people would be distressed at the presence of, of police and the presence of, of these people who have just absolutely brutalised them and, and, and discriminated and, and harassed. And it, it is systemic. And the fact that some people don't experience that and can't empathise with that, I, I find that really difficult. And I think as well that 
even if you're not thinking about that crossover within your own community, your own people who are suffering from these different oppressions, empathy, solidarity. I mean, surely it, it, there, there, there's no liberation for, for for one community without without this liberation for other communities. It's all tied in together, and we are all experiencing that oppression, um, not in the same way, but from the same force. Absolutely. And what do you say to the people who um, oppose the protests and actions because of the artists? So I'm an artist. I'm a writer. I'm a poet. I, I'm a, a lot of a lot of different things. I, I, I guess I just call myself a queer creative. And I understand that midsummer is this um, time of year, this opportunity to make money and 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 to to get yourself out there when a lot of the rest of the year you might not get the time of day I I understand that I understand that um fear and and that stress being working class myself it's not the most stable income being a queer creative but I I just I I I can't I can't see how how you would be able to live with yourself like I I personally I don't think that I I could these days I, I have um in the past been involved in in midsummer events prior to to my learning about all of this and just just hearing about all of the really just the really messed up things I I, I couldn't bring myself to now I I don't think I could and it's really sad because like I said um, at the beginning this is this arts and culture festival it's that's what Melbourne's about essentially and and the fact that that this opportunity this potential for 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 radical queer creativity is being diluted and bought into by these companies. It's, it makes me quite sad, um, to be honest, because I think that creativity has always been quite a radical act, like to, to summon up something out of nothing and, and to do something that isn't necessary for existence, but it's necessary for living. Um, I, I, I love that. And I, it makes me really sad not, not being able to, 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 to be involved and, and to participate and, and, and to experience all of this, creativity because of because of what's involved because of the fact that it's condoning and it and it's funding just this this snowballing of 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 pinkwashing and corporatization i if people are happy to just let that slide it's only going to get worse and i can't bring myself to do that this sorry this sounds really familiar this is my argument about international women's day every freaking year it's like exactly the same thing. Uh, this idea that you can, I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> mainstream uh, feminism or queerness in, into institutions and processes. Mm. And what happens is they get co-opted and then you have men making cupcakes on <laughs> International Women's Day and, you know, unions mm. shouting for, you know, workplace safety while there are people in their own house doing stuff. It just becomes this absolute hypocrisy on every level and every year it's just exactly like the women's movement and the queer movement we're in the same place where we and our movements are constantly under threat of co-option from from the mainstream patriarchal capitalist world absolutely and um we have to smash it it's it's (laughs) such a farce together it is such (laughs) a farce of tokenism i I, i'm really frustrated with Honestly, most mainstream, I, I can't think of a single um, large event like that, anything that isn't grassroots that um, I, I, I would trust. I it, it all feels so diluted, so co-opted. There's really no escape. I mean, no matter what 
what you say and, and what you do, eventually it, it, that it will be co-opted. Um, and and I, I, I just find that, uh, frankly, I, I, I refuse to take that. I, I think that um, this history, this is a radical um, history of feminism and of, and of queerness um, mm. and all of this. There's just no, no, no way that we should, we should take this and, and allow it to just be broken down in, into, into something to just sprinkle on top of what you're already doing. That's not what it's about. It's, 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 an, it's, it's an entirely separate thing. It, it is about um, creating a new system or at least definitely moving away from that old system. And, um, yeah. Well, you know what they say, the only solution is revolution. <laughs> um, on that note, I do just want to, before we wrap up, um, do a shout out to uh, Satellite Skies, who were on last night um, speaking about, yeah, the queer liberation and the uh, midsummer boycotts. And I particularly just want to say um, solidarity with Haikal, who's one of the hosts, and um, really explicitly called out the relationship between 3CR mm-hmm. and Midsummer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we really stand with that crew um, in in taking a, a really strong stance and being staunch and, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do have a couple of final quotes from um, their show last night that I jotted down and um, really hit home. So... Um, One of them is um, assimilation into homo-nationalism and white supremacy. (laughs) Concept. Oh, yes. Oh, It was a lovely broadcast. (laughs) Um, And also the fact that we need to hand um, over power to the marginalised queers fighting. Um, And I'm going to leave you with one question, which is, do you have no respect for what cops mean to First Nations people in this country? Yes. Mm. Question we should all ask ourselves. Absolutely. Every day. All the time. Put it on the post-it note. <laughs> Wake up. Question. ACAB. <laughs> 100%. We are out of time, but that was awesome. Thank you, Ali and Maddox. Thank you. Uh, we've been Dirt Radio. Up next is Billabong Beats. We will speak to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>